Welcome to Trust in the Lord with Pastor Tim Dove of the Mission Life Christian Center in Bryson City, North Carolina, where we are intentionally demonstrating God's love in every moment. Grab your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dove as we trust in the Lord as presented in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not onto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Now sit back and enjoy the living Word of God. We want to come today speaking on a topic called the strategy of fear. Now, a strategy is a plan that an enemy will break forth so that by the time you finish the strategy and finish his planning, whoever he's made that strategy against, the end result, if he's successful, is the total destruction of his enemy. So you look at a strategy being a series of plans. One of the plans, one of the things, a part of the strategy of destroying the men and women of God is the use of fear. In that, fear is used to blindside the believer. Fear is used to blindside the believer, and the purpose of blindsiding the believer with fear is to get them to stop walking in the Spirit into a position of fulfilling the lust of the flesh. When you get to the place where you are no longer walking in the Spirit as a child of God, then you get to the place where your, your flesh begins to take the lead. And if you're allowing your flesh to take the lead, that means that you have begun to move your plan in a strategy against God himself. God has his plan for you that you would be you would prosper, that you would have health. He has a plan for you that you 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 would be successful. But when we allow fear to knock us and blindside us and knock us off of our game, his game, then what we do is we open ourselves up for an influence, and that's just a part of the strategy. The ultimate end game of that strategy is to separate you to where you make a decision yourself to remove yourself out of the loving care of the Father. And I've seen that in people's lives. But I don't want that to be something that we're blindsided today, that we have the, the evidence before us with the scriptures to say that although God has done all this for us, we still have to be attentive to what we do in each and every day. We still have to pay attention, not walking out of fear and not walking in timidity and thinking that there's a devil around every corner, but with an understanding that there is a strategy around every corner. There is a plan to destroy you around every corner. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I don't have to worry about the strategy as long as I keep my head in him, as long as I keep my mind on him, as long as I keep my soul centered in him. What is the soul? The seed of your emotions, where your mindset. When your emotions get rocked, then your mind makes a decision. You're either going to make the decision to follow after the mind of the Spirit, 
or you're going to succumb to the pressure and begin to walk according to the flesh and start down the path to fulfill the lust of the flesh. In Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 8, for to be carnally minded is death. Now carnal means fleshly minded. So it reads, for to be fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind or the fleshly mind is enmity against God. That means it's hostile and in constant opposition. So your the flesh, if you're depending on your fleshly mind and the worldly thoughts to make the decision once fear has come and knocked you off your game, what's going to happen is you're going to get an opportunity to shift into opposition of God. Now all of us have that opportunity. That's why it was important for Christ to die on the cross. It was important for him to come and, and be, live, live sinless and, and die on the cross and raise from the dead and ascend to the right hand of the Father. All of this works together for what? So that we can boldly come to the throne of grace. But we can't go boldly to the throne of grace and enter into his presence with the fleshly mind. We cannot attend to God with the things that men of this world attend to. We have to go in spirit. That's the regenerated purpose of the regenerated spirit. It's so that we have access to God and then he imparts to us our abilities to live for him. And that is, for it is, in verse 7, for it is not subject to the law. What's not subject to the law? The fleshly mind. It's not subject to the law of God. Nor indeed can be. When, I, when you look at nor indeed can be, it says it doesn't have the ability. Even if you were to turn your flesh and do everything that you could possibly do to keep the law of God, the flesh doesn't have the ability to do so. It's an instant failure. In verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So if you're trying to please God through your flesh, and trying to please God by checking off things that might please him physically. But you're not pleasing God, and you're not trying to walk in the Spirit and allow the Spirit of God to get rid of some of those things, to remove some of those things. Then what we're doing is we're just checking a box that's unfruitful. There's nothing going to come good at the end of your day. If your strategy is to serve the Lord by checking boxes, Maybe I go to church every once in a while. Maybe if I'm in trouble, I'll call on his name. Maybe if I'm not trying to build a relationship with him, I just, if I'm in trouble, I'll call on his name. I'm not trying to gather together and pour out the abundance he brings into me into the lives of others around me. It's just at Easter or Christmas or special event or maybe there's food present, I'm going to show up. Well, that's punching the ticket. That's punching the ticket. In other words, you're doing things of the mind of the flesh, which is an enemy of God, it's, it's opposition of God, where God wants you to come to, into his presence with thanksgiving. But where when you gather together with other people in his name, you know that he's going to rise up in agreement with you. So you're excited that you're going to be in God's presence in the fresh way that I can't be in his presence that way by myself. And this is the most exciting 
uh, prospect as a child of God is to live in the spirit and reject the lust of the flesh and operate to, to fulfill the lust of the flesh. But there's a trigger. Fear causes you to pause. Everybody can have fear come against them. Timidity comes come against them or cause them to, to pause. What are people going to think about me? Or what if I'm not qualified? Or what is, what is the purpose of this? It, do I really want this? And it's all from the heart of timidity. When we pause and the Lord is calling us to move forward, and his word is telling us, forsake not the assemblies ourselves together, but we forsake it because we are fearful of some disease or we're fearful of some type of mandate. We're fearful of such and such and this. Then what we have done is we have checked the box of being opposing Christ and opposing the word of God. So with that, I look at Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 16, and it says, what does it look like to walk after the flesh? What does it look like? In verse 16, it says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 17 says, for the lust, for, for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led in verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, here are the indicators that you might be walking contrary to the Word of God and to God himself. You're walking in opposition of God. And it's not a might be. If, if these are a part of your life, you are in opposition. You are in opposition. Verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Isn't that amazing? Now the fruit of the Spirit are the fruit. That's evidence. So whether, whether you are operating against God or for God, there's going to be evidence. And I can judge the evidence. And I'm going to judge the evidence out of love. If, 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 you, if you are, or myself, or someone is walking down and fulfilling the lust of the flesh, there's an evidence to that. You're not a secret agent. You may think that you're fooling everyone around you, but guess what? You're not fooling God, but if I just look in the Word of God, if we're walking according to the lust of the flesh, there is fruit there. There's evidence that says, yeah, is that my key to go in there and kill you? No. It's my key to do what? Bring the fruit of the Spirit towards you. So that you get a taste of something better than what the flesh itself is fulfilling for you. Because notice it's fulfilling the lust of the flesh. It doesn't fulfill you. You don't get fulfilled by fulfilling the lust of the flesh. You fulfill the enmity against God. You fulfill opposition against God. You put up ramparts and you put up battlements against God in your own life. And also introduce that as fruit into the lives of those around you. If you truly love those that are around you, your friends, family, and people that should know God, then you would be watchful of not fulfilling the lust of the flesh and showing them that evidence. Because they're taking your testimony of what you accept in your life 
And that is there evidence to say that's acceptable for my life? And if I'm looking at what is acceptable for my parents or my friends and everything else and I'm influencing them, then what's that saying? I'm leading them away from God. So let's look at these evidences. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Now, and the like means anything like this. Anything like this. If you wanted to count that, there are 19 listed evidences, but the anything like goes way beyond the 19. So here you look at if anything that you do looks anything like that is listed here, you are given evidence that you are in league with the flesh and you're in league against God. Well, that's tough. Well, yes, it is, but it's the truth. If we can't tell you the truth and we ourselves can't see the truth for ourselves, then there is no hope for us. Because without the evidence of the Word of God shining light onto who we are, we're not able to, to point to this or that and say, that's going to separate me from the love of God. You say, nothing separates me from the love of God. Well, you can separate yourself from the love of God. You can. So let's look at it. At the end of 21 it says, Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we are living in a time where people are, would rather take on the, the sins and the corruption of this world because it seems like they're growing in it and the richness is there and everything's there. But to inherit the kingdom of God means that you can inherit God's blessings right now and live in his blessings right now. But you're really looking to the end time. You're looking to the kingdom, inherit the kingdom and have him bring into you what you have in the in heaven, and, and in life with them, eternal. But don't dismiss that if you have all of this in your life, you're not going to be able to live in his joy, in his peace. You're not going to be able to live in his prosperity here on earth, right, right here, right now. Well, I have people that want to say that, you, you know, it's all right to... to to live in, in your suffering and everything else. Yeah, we're going to suffer, but it's not all right to stay there. It's all right to keep your faith in who he is and know that he is one that can get you straight through that. And even though it may be hitting you, it doesn't have to break you. Right. It doesn't have to define you. Right. The, 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 the trials of this life and the things that are happening in this world today will not define me. Why? Because I'm already defined. You may be able to redefine a word to try to change history and try to change everything around you, but you cannot redefine the child of God because my name is written in another book that you can't get to. 
And the definition of who I am in Christ is also written in that book. So I'm already living as, a, as one who is inheriting the kingdom of God right here, right now. And I look to my blessed hope that one day I'll see him face to face. He'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But I can't be a good and faithful servant and hear the well done if I'm in opposition of him in my life. If I'm not opposing him on multiple levels or even one single level in my life, I can't expect for that inheritance to be mine. You might say, why do I not have the blessings that you talk about? Why do I not walk in those blessings? Well, let's just see. Check out the list. Check out the evidence. If you are walking in the evidence that is opposing God, then God is not going to bring his blessing into that evidence. So where do I walk in the blessings of God? Glad you asked. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We're going to land on self-control in just a bit. But notice there's a nine fruit of the Spirit. And there's 19 listed lust of the flesh, more than double. You got double the ways to get yourself in trouble. More than double the ways to get yourself in trouble. But instead of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, we operate in adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and everything like that. So what are you saying? I'm saying that People see and can identify very quickly and very easily whether you be a child of God or not. Whether you be a follower of Jesus Christ or not. But they can also see that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and something like that pops up, they can see, I need to surround you. See, this is not a killing zone. When you have a follower of Jesus Christ that pops up in wrath of anger and wrath and pops up into him, Bits of wrath pops up in them. What do you do? You come to them and let them eat of the fruit of the Spirit. Let them eat of peace. Let them eat of love and patience and long-suffering. Let them eat of those things that can heal them and show them that this is killing the people around me and myself. Can they get? Yeah, absolutely. So the self-control is where I like to land. That's, that's a spiritual gift. And I've said this before in this church, but the self-control is where we miss it. God has given us the ability through his spirit to not do those things. Right? He's given us the ability in the spirit to do those things for him and to give us the ability in the spirit to not do those things. Yet, we choose to move on by the still small voice. We can move on by the action. You know the Holy Spirit will constantly tell you, you know what, that's not who you are. That's not what you should be. 
But he's not going to rest your hands and pull it behind your back and say, I'm going to stop you. He said, because I want worship. I want it to be free, and I want it to be something out of love, and I want my relationship with you to be just that, freely given, freely received. I want you to choose me. So we do have a choice, and self-control is the ability to have a sound mind to make godly decisions and do those decisions. Is they say, there's a lot of times I have the sound mind and I can acknowledge the good decision and I can wrap myself up to the good decision, but I uh, don't do the good decision. Because I get in, I get distracted. Why? This is where I got to talk about fear. One of the ways to get us distracted and moving outside of the self-control he gives us is an attack of fear. That attack of fear will cause you to be blindsided and cause you to pause, and with that pause gives the opportunity for Satan to move on in, your flesh to move on forward. What is that? The strategy to destroy your relationship with God will move forward when you move towards fulfilling the lust of the flesh. It'll move forward. In verse 24 it says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Boy, that's saying a mouthful. Because if you only had to crucify the passions, or if you only had to crucify the desires, But there's something big about being passionate about a lust of the flesh. I mean, myself, when I'm passionate about something, you cannot talk me down. I will go to battle because my passion says I'm sold out to this. But if I was able to kill the passion, then there's that desire thing that I may have uh, stood up today, but while I'm sleeping, it's rolling around in my mind and begins to begin my hunger in my heart, and I get the thirst after those things and move after those things. And before I know it, I am uh, my desire has pulled me back into the passion. Self-control of the fruit of the Spirit. God has given us an ability to conquer the passion and ignore the desire. But we have to be willing to listen to his still small voice and sometimes a straight out up, up loud voice. You know you ain't supposed to be doing that. And say, God, I can't do this on my own. I come to you. This is why I stand here right now. That's not who I am. But if you don't help me, that's where I'm going to fall, right here, right now. And God said, I'll raise you up. If you just shut that thing down, you get that out of your presence, I will heal your mind. I will change your desire. Why? Because he said he will give me the desires of my heart. But if my desire is after and passion is after something that's not of him, I need to replace that passion. I need to replace that desire. How do I do that? I need to get into the Word of God and not just read it, but saturate it into my life to, to have it marinate inside of me, grab onto the verse 
that speaks against that passion. Grab onto the verse and the scripture that speaks against that desire. And I hold on to that. And every time that thing wants to be a passion for me, I get passionate for God. And I get along with him, with his word, and I saturate my life. What am I doing? I'm increasing my faith. I'm renewing my mind through the word. And now I'm conquered. Not me. He has conquered that passion. He has destroyed that desire. And now my desire is his desire because he has become my abundance. Can I get an amen? He has become my abundance through his word. And as I grow in him, he grows in me. And that passion that I had for them no longer tastes good. And I look up and say, that same feeling inside of me. It's not the flesh and now is the spirit. And I have passion for you, Lord. I have passion for you. I can't do this over here anymore because I have passion for you. You are the desire of my heart. Yeah. Woo! He switches it up on us. Amen. Hallelujah. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. You get it? You know, you're living in your recliner in the spirit. Huh? Y'all relaxing and everything. We're reading God's word. We got the we got the music pumping in our ears and everything else. But the minute we put the legs down on the recliner, we get up, we start walking in the flesh again. We have our places where we want to worship God, but we just can't walk with Him because I've got passion over here and I got a desire over here, and I can't mix those up. Well, God said. You better be putting me inside your passion. You better be putting me inside your desire because one of these days you're going to get up and I'm not going to be there because I already called my people home. Woo. But he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Oh, yeah. But he also said there's a coming a time when in a twinkling of an eye there's going to be a separation. And if your passion is for the lust of the flesh, then guess what? There's a good chance. There's a great chance. There's an abundant chance. That if your passion is in opposition of God, then you're going to be the one left behind. If your desire is to oppose God, no, I don't. Yes, you do. You have to be careful. All of this because what God showed me, and this isn't the only trick of the trade that the enemy uses to knock us down, but we're speaking of fear. Fear is used to blindside you. If you can see fear coming, you can prepare for fear. But fear comes on you in a way like a thief in the night. Fear comes on you suddenly, and all of a sudden it's enveloped your thoughts and your emotions, and some people are paralyzed by the fear. And when you get paralyzed by fear, that means you have totally been subjected to the enemy of God. You have taken your crown off that serves the Lord and put on the crown that serves the enemy of God. Well, you're kind of hard on us. Nope, hard on me. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Now, this isn't talking about people who haven't accepted Christ. This is talking, this is talking about church. I just looked at not only fear, but you can be in opposition of God by coming in conceited. You can be in opposition of God by provoking another follower of Jesus Christ. 
And you, be, you can start down the pathway of opposition to God by envying one another. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? But I want to lay the whole talk of what we're doing today on 2 Timothy 1 and 7. And verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So let's look at power. Fear will work to separate you from operating through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't just any power. This is dunamis power. This is the miraculous power. This is force. This is, this is dunamis. What does that mean? Fear is trying to separate you from the miraculously, miraculously power of the Holy Spirit. Changing things in your life. Well, why would I need a miraculous power working in my life? Sickness and disease has not stopped. And I hear the phone ring and someone has cancer. I hear the phone ring and someone has a devastation. I hear, I hear on, 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 on the news that all of our lives are over, baby. But I don't operate under that fear. That's not God's economy. That's not God's way. You may, you may see in the flesh that you have things going wrong, that the economy may not be doing so well, that we're getting ready to have some elections and things like that, and everyone's sitting there going, woe is me, woe is me. Great is God who keeps me in the midst of his bosom, that keeps me in his hand, that loves me, that holds me, that I don't have to fear what man can do to me. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Mm-mm. I don't have to fear that. But that's what fear tries to do. Fear comes in to separate you from depending on the wonder-working power of God. Why? To blind your eyes from never seeing signs and wonders. From never experiencing the miraculous. From, from never seeing how many times in one day God has spared you. You see, you're blessed. You're highly favored. You're targeted for a blessing. God never misses. When he intends to bring a blessing for you, he hits you every time. The problem is, out of fear, we dodge his blessing. We dodge his blessing. That's because fear will cause you to pause. See, God hits moving targets. Keep moving on for God, and you'll keep running right in to his blessings. So 2 Timothy 1 at 7 speaks about love. So what about the love? Love is where fear is trying to separate us from operating through God's eternal love. Is agape love. <laughs> That's the love and the affection and benevolence. What I call the love feast is what's described as a love feast. Why is it very important? When you try to be benevolent outside of God, it's an empty benevolence. But if fear can knock you away from the Spirit of God, 
and you begin to walk in opposition of God, you are no longer operating inside his benevolence. Therefore, you can't operate with his benevolence to others. You, with power, you're no longer operating inside his miraculous power. Therefore, you can't demonstrate miraculous power to others. Fear is trying to break the relationship between us and the Father. In 1 John 4, 18, it says, there is no fear in love. So, isn't that amazing that we have to have that God doesn't give you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Because that love Cast out that fear. The love he has for us. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Now, we do know that fear is always attempting to pause us. But if we're operating his benevolent love, and his benevolent love is operating through us, then that fear is immediately cast out. That's why when people come up and they're, they're having struggles and trials and everything else, what do I tell them? Find someone to love. Find someone to minister to. Find someone to be benevolent to. Why? Because when you release that stagnant benevolence in your life right now, his flood of benevolence will flood through you and fear will go on with it. Perfect love. Cast out all fear. Trying to help us today. Because we offer so much in fear, we don't understand that there's power in action. Power in action. I release the benevolent love that pushes that fear away from me by being a benefactor or, or being, being one who comes in and pushes God's benevolence into someone else's life. Woo! Because if you look at it, 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Get this. Because fear involves torment. Fear involves torment. Have you ever experienced fear and didn't feel tormented? No. Torment. So God's perfect love cast out all fear. Fear cannot exist in God's perfect love. Fear cannot exist in that. Why? Well, so what do you need to do? If I'm always falling into an anxiety uh, fallout in my life, and I'm always falling out and, and have fear coming and captivating me, then I need to be always benevolent to others. I need to be seeking people out to demonstrate God's love. That's why in our church we intentionally demonstrate God's love. Why? Because the love intentionally demonstrated casts out fear. Watch out now. Then we go to the sound mind. Let's read it again. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, fear will work to separate you from operating with the sound mind in the spirit. Try to push you from operating the sound mind in the spirit to reacting inside the chaotic mind of the flesh. The fleshly mind is chaos. Right. 
It only seeks to destroy. It only seeks an opposition with God. And if you're not operating in that free gift, in that fruit of the Spirit, if the Spirit of God is not operating you and sound mind is not being uh, propagated in your life and, and built up in your life, making sound decisions, then it's going to be easy for you to, when fear comes in, to shift your mind into chaos. How many, how many have been struck by fear and your mind goes into chaos? Everything breaks. Everything. I can't do it. I can't even drive today. You understand? Look, yeah. I, you know, everything that you normally can do and you have a sound mind doing, all of a sudden, nothing is possible. But in God, all things are possible. But you've got to stay in God. That's why it's good to stop, Brother Roger, like you said, stop and pray. God, I just, I don't know what's going on right now, but I need, I need your wisdom. I do that daily. God, I need your wisdom. I need your knowledge. I don't know what's going on right now, but I need to break in. You know what I do now? You know what I do to help me grow and get myself ready and everything else? I go into a systematic, just break out into spiritual prayer. I get along by myself. I don't care if anyone's with me or not. If you're listening to me, it wasn't for you. And I just start beginning to pray in the spirit. Why is that very important to me? Because I don't know what's going on, but he does. And he's breathing something into me, and that's a time when the Holy Spirit's talking to the Father on my behalf, and that's an intercession that I need. And I know that Jesus is always praying for me. I know that they sing over me. I know that, 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 that the mind is upon me. I know that God has great things in store for me, but I have to stay engaged in him, anchored to the cross, anchored to what he has accomplished at the cross and keep my faith right in there and attentive to only what God would have me do. Can I get an amen for that? So fear will work to separate you from operating with a sound mind in the spirit. Look, I've witnessed two things over the last three years. I watched followers of Jesus Christ not affected by COVID, not affected by the politics, not affected by anything, not affected by the mandates or anything else like, what, what do you mean not affected? They marched in the kingdom of God. They marched in the mind of Christ. I also watched men and women of Christ that would falter and break down under certain pressures as it would go. What's amazing to me is that they didn't break under that, that God has able to bring them through. The biggest thing is if you falter into by fear, pushing yourself into those things that are fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you're also the same person that can't get through the night without having someone else come to you and say, can you please help me? Because it's a relationship with God. It's a full-on relationship with God. I need to be able to just go to Him. It's all right to have people come to me and love, and we're supposed to build each other up in the most holy faith. We're supposed to talk to one each other. We're supposed to speak the word to each other and increase each other's faith. But we're also supposed to have some type of stability, growth in ourselves, day in and day out. We've got to be able to eventually get up and say, you know what? 
Here's where I can stand. This is the word of God, and I'm going to rise up. God, you be with me. You give me the knowledge. You give me, give me favor. Give me favor in your eyes and in man's eyes. Help me to, help me to break forth, Lord, right now. This is not who I am, but it's still trying to be a part of me. Right. How many have, a, have some things in your life that's not who you are, but it still tries to be a part of you? Amen? Well, that's the battle of a lifetime. I got those things. I got those things, and what, what am I doing? I'm giving it to Christ. I'm not. I'm saying that's not who I am. That's not who he says I am, and I'm giving it to Christ. What am I doing? I'm going to operate in who he says I am. I'm going to saturate my heart with his word. I'm going to put my faith in what he accomplished at the cross. What did he accomplish? I'm free. I'm set free. I'm no longer going to be more captive anymore. I am a servant of the Most High, therefore I'm not my own. I can't make these decisions that destroy my family and destroy my body and destroy my spirit because I'm bought with a price. I no longer own myself. So now I have to be a good steward of me. Amen? Woo! Strategy for overcoming fear. I wanted to throw this down to you. You get all the stuff, and now you got to have a strategy to overcome fear. Because if something has a strategy against you, you better have a strategy against it. Right. Amen? An enemy is not going to go away just because you're nice to him. you got to have a strategy to kill the enemy. That strategy begins and ends with the cross of Christ. Right. But we got to walk in that faith. we got to walk in it. So Ephesians... Even though fear looks to open the opportunity for Satan to attack, we got to have the strategy. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, says, See then that you walk circumspectly. What does that mean? Put your head on a swivel, baby. You ever get a, a camera stand? You put the camera in the middle of it? That's a swivel. As long as you don't got a cord holding you up, you can take that camera and move circumspectly. It's a 360 movement. I, I'm going to watch every angle. I'm going to put my, where my eyes aren't seeing, my ears are hearing. And when my ears and my eyes can't see it, my other senses are kicking in. Why? Walking circumspectly is that all your senses in Christ are alive and well and alert and inert. So that no matter whether your eyes are on it, your ears are on it, or you're just sensing something, you're ready to defend yourself and not allow that attack to come upon you. So it says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as false, but as wise. You know what? There's people out there that, that, that are foolish. They're out there and they're taking every one of their steps and, yeah, I'm walking circumspectly. No, you're not walking circumspectly. What, what, what do you mean? I'm just looking at the things I want to look at. I'm not defending myself against those things that God is trying to defend me against. I'm not on his plan. I'm on my own plan. And they walk right into an attack because what? They haven't identified their enemy. See, to walk circumspectly, you've got to identify the enemy. You've got to know in a crowd who you're looking for. Amen? So in order to fight a battle, you've got to know who you're fighting what they're about, what their capabilities, what the angles, what strategies do they imply? I got to go to school about my enemy. And I go to school about my enemy by opening and saturating the Word of God because the Word of God explains who my enemy is. 
then I can walk circumspectly, only through saturating my spirit in the Word of God. So that as I'm walking, you might have someone with a kind face coming to you, put a hug around you, but then there also was one that you didn't look in circumspectly and you didn't do your uh, due diligence and study. Know that this person likes to stab people in the back. Right. So as a part of that nice hug, you get a parting gift. Right in your spine. So to walk circumspectly is not just look and be alert. It's to understand who you're looking for, who's coming after you, and what strategies do they apply. Why? Because it's the strategy that comes first. The enemy doesn't come jump right in front of you and say, here I am. The enemy has a strategy. And if you understand the strategy they're implying, what you're doing is you start to see the edge of the strategy, and then you come against that strategy right there and shut that thing down right then and there. This is good stuff. A wise person will study out the enemy. A foolish person will just keep on walking and just hope that nothing happens. Amen? And also in verse 16, redeeming the time. That means every minute counts. Every minute counts. How many times we wasted hours before a TV? When we could have been saturating our hearts and our minds with the Word of God. How many have wasted our time before a video game when we should have been spending time in the Word of God, understanding the enemy, and getting all the stuff inside us saturated that we could stand against the devil? Why? Because he's like a roaring lion walking about seeking who he may devour. We have to be ready. And you can't be ready and fight an enemy you don't know. Half the people, probably 99% of Americans didn't even know where Ukraine was. 50 still don't. Well, that's a problem. That's a problem. A worse problem is if someone in Ukraine didn't know where Russia was. You got it? You don't know who your enemy is. Who is your enemy? Well, the enemy is the one that wants to destroy who I am. Easily defined. But now I have to understand their tactics and understand their strategies. You know what Russia's strategy to take parts of Ukraine? Load up the border and call it, uh, they're, 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 they're having uh, war games. Load up the border with all types of weaponry and they're having war games. And they leave them there until people stop talking about it and all of a sudden, whoop, they're inside Ukraine. Well, that's what Satan does to you. He piles up a bunch of junk and you just ignore it on your borders. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, gluttony. All these things piled up on your border. And you don't do anything about it. You don't set up defenses on that border and say, you can't come here, I know your strategy. But we allow these things in our house. And then we're shocked when we fail. It's because the devil has a strategy. We haven't learned that strategy. And we just fall for that strategy because our passion is still for that thing. Watch out now. But redeeming the time means that every single minute counts. 
and it should count for Christ. Every minute, every second should count for Christ. For the sake of your loved ones, for the sake of your friends, you are not your own. You're bought with a price. That means every second counts for Christ. And then in 1 Peter, oh, it says that at the end of verse 16, it says, because the days are evil. Are they? Are we living in evil times? Hasn't changed, has it? And we'll continue to do so. Redeem the time, no matter what day you're in. Every day is going to be evil. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. Sober means be of a clear mind. Don't let anything fog your thought process of who you are in Christ and who he is in you. And you can only be sober-minded by being Bible-minded, by getting this word inside your mind and it's renewed on a daily basis. To be sober-minded means that that Bible has become more than just a book in your life. That Bible has become Jesus Christ on pages, and now that Bible has become the cereal of nutrients for your belly each and every morning. It's become the lunch for your belly in the midday. It's become it's become the dinner that you put in your belly so you can sleep at night. And it's become the midnight snack, replacing the little Debbies and the milk. Come on, I had to do it. To be sober is to keep renewing your mind through the Word of God. Continually renew your mind in the Word of God. Don't, don't lean on that you did a Bible study last week. Don't lean on that you read the Bible last year. Don't lean on that you, did the, you went through the Bible and read the Bible four times in one year. If you did all that, guess what? <laughs> Good, banner. But did you let any of that saturate into your heart and your spirit? Or did you just punch a ticket? Was there a life-changing mindset in you? If not, change up how you're doing it. Because the Word of God, even if you just do one verse in one year, and you let that one verse live in you that one year, you're probably doing better than you did the last 30 years. Can I get a witness on that one? I probably, I don't know. We'll just keep on with it. Be vigilant. That's just like walking circumspectly. Be vigilant. Be on guard. Be ready. Be all ready. This is where I go back to Nehemiah. They were vigilant. Why are they vigilant? When they're rebuilding the wall, they had the tool for labor in one hand and they had the sword for battle or the weapon for battle in the other. That's vigilant. That means I'm not going to stop working for God, but if you come towards me, I'm going to cut you. That's right. Amen? Huh? All right. Well, me, you might get more than a cut. You might get a, you might hear a huge bang. Then down you go. And then I'll cut you. Because I plan on cutting you either way. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking to be made devour. And this is what fear does. Check it out. Fear causes you to pause. Pause what? From being sober. Pause you from being vigilant. Pause you from walking circumspectly. Pause you from redeeming the time. And that's when the devil comes and attacks. That's when. Oh, what, what do you mean? <laughs> Man, I'm telling you what. I said this in one of my, cl my, one of my classes that I teach online. 
And uh, this, this is what it is. I never wake up in the middle of the, I wake, never wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to kill somebody today. I don't do that. However, we might have spoke about this on Sunday as well. However, I get up in the morning, I read my word, I pray. I try to do everything I can to get my life moving forward. But somewhere in that day, fear is going to be thrown against me like a sticky balloon. So that it pops and there's something nasty in that thing. Cause me to pause and try to walk myself off. In that moment of pausing is where I stop walking circumspectly and I got my mind on something else so I'm not redeeming the time and I'm not sober. I'm, I'm, what I mean, I'm not sober-minded. I'm focusing on, man, this stuff is sticky. <laughs> and this shouldn't have happened. And then and I'm not being vigilant, so what's happening the roaring lion, like the roaring lion, he's not a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. That means an imitator. Imitation or not, it's in that moment that he'll try to push me into opposition of the things of God. It's in that moment that he'll try to shift me out of walking in the spirit to fulfilling the lust of the flesh. It's in that moment where people say, man, I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't in me. I didn't realize I still spoke that way. Because <laughs> I shifted out of walking in the Spirit into fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Man, I, I never treat people like that anymore. I'm a person of love. Why would I get angry? Because I shifted into wrath. Fits of wrath. Did I fall out of the uh, presence of God? No. You need to repent now. Turn from that action. Ask for forgiveness. Forgive those that are around you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Move forward. What are you doing right there? You're shifted back in to following the Spirit of God and walking in the Spirit. Why? You are never going to be separated from your flesh. Your flesh will always be there to try to get you away from God. Because it's an enemy and your flesh is always in opposition. So if you're Operating in the lust of the flesh, you're operating in opposition of God. So you have to be vigilant every morning to not get knocked out in a moment. Why is this important? Because I can, I can repent, no harm, no foul. Yeah, but how many people that were following you, that were watching your witness, that were seeing Christ in you, now no longer see Christ in you? Because you failed. That's why you have to be sober. Not for yourselves as much as for that person watching you. Because it's that moment of witness that gets tainted. And now that person is not going to listen to you about following Christ because you don't follow Christ. And we're not going to talk about it today because now the next thing that comes against you throughout the shift you is guilt. We're not talking about guilt today. I've told you that fear is only one thing. One piece of the strategy. Guilt is another. Guilt is used, and I'm not going to go into it, but guilt is used to push you farther in to opposition of God because you start to think, I'm not worthy. I should never have done that. No one could ever forgive me for that. Don't get caught up in a strategy. The overcoming of fear is simply being vigilant 
And when fear comes in and fear wins the battle, start being benevolent, using God's love on other people, and watch that fear subside. It's amazing how fear runs away when you begin to love on people. It's amazing. Why? Because perfect love casts out fear. Amen? That means someone turned on a hose and started washing out my cup and everything that was in the cup is gone that was dirty and now it's just clean water Amen. as Pastor Marie demonstrated. Hallelujah. Amen? So let us walk together. Let us work together. Let us love on one another. If someone fails, don't kill them. Use benevolent love and reach down and say, let me help you get up. That ain't the time for you to talk, tell them how far down in hell they are. That's the time to say, you know what? You allowed something to knock you off. And today we're talking about fear. It may not always be fear that does this thing. But if you have someone that is operating anxiety right now, then demonstrate God's love to them. Show them the word of God. Get them into the word of God. Tell them that you're a child of God. Now, if they're operating in fear, they're not a child of God. There's nothing you can do for them except for one thing. Lead them to Christ. And immediately, fear goes. Lead them to Christ. But if you've got a follower of Jesus Christ that's operating in that and fear's just encompassing them, lead them to the Word. What? Wait, wait. Lead them to Christ again. Lead them to Jesus, because Jesus is His Word. So be watchful today and this week. If fear is attacking you, then that is something that is trying to cause opposition in, between you and God. And God didn't give that to you. But he did give you power, love, and a sound mind. Power to see the miraculous happen in your life and the life of others. Love to see the benevolence of God pour through you and into others and back into you. And a sound mind to make the right decisions at the right time to do the right things in the name of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Trust in the Lord with Pastor Tim Dove of the Mission, Life Christian Center in Bryson City, North Carolina. Join us next time as we continue to intentionally demonstrate God's love through the Word of God. Remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Blessings to you in the name of Jesus. For more information, you may contact us at The Mission. Live Christian Center, P.O. Box 2197, Bryson City, North Carolina, 28713. Or email us at themission.lcc at yahoo.com.